Oh my God, would you look at yourself? Look at you right now. You could have picked any podcast. You could have. You could have listened to music right now. But you didn't. You came here. You're coming with me. Let's do another one of these, huh? 30 minutes of bizarre ranting. Maybe stumble upon a point or two. Maybe not. You never know. But it's worth it, right? You go on this journey with me. Maybe something will stay with you. Maybe something will stay with me. I feel like I'm going to categorize this podcast. Episode 92, I'm going to just throw it into two categories, heavy and light. And I'm going to announce what's coming your way. Heavy. That means this is kind of a heavy topic. Okay, this might be serious. This might be something that'll hit your heart or spark your interest in a topic. Something important. Something heavy. And then I might just say light, light, lighten up. There's going to be a light hearted topic. Something probably insignificant. And I think it's good. I think it's good to balance because I might hit you with something heavy and you might say, oh, that's that's a little much, Josh. And then I'll give you something light and you'll go, that was nice. That was nice. Like a chaser. That was nice. I needed that. Thank you. So what do you want first? Huh? It's like when somebody says, what do you want? Good news or bad news? I got good news or bad news. What do you want first? I know what I always say. Good news. Give me good news right now. And then maybe... I will feel good about something as you break me the bad news. Who says bad news first? Someone gives you some real shitty bad news with those two options. You can almost be in a mood so bad you're not in the mood for the good news anymore. You're like, you know what? Let's just stop there. That was, that was kind of heavy. All right, here we go. Heavy. Yesterday, I watched a documentary about Barry Crimmins, who's a comic from the 80s, about being abused as a child, sexually abused, by a babysitter's friend. And I mean a young child, like four, five, six years old. Then I watched the movie Honey Boy, which is based on Shia LaBeouf's life. Is it Shia LaBeouf or LaBeouf? I don't even think I've seen a Shia LaBeouf movie, but I know he's very famous and he was in Transformers. And his life was full of abuse. Really unfortunate background. Ugly. Terrible dynamic with his father. And then I went to sleep and read the rest of Tommy Davidson's book where he was also abused really badly as a kid. So just coincidentally, all of the art I consumed yesterday was about child abuse, whether it was physical, sexual, emotional. And I realized it's probably the worst thing in the world. Really abusing children and then setting them up for a life where they have to deal with their traumas. And who are these adults doing the abuse? Well, these are people that have their own traumas that were probably formed when they were kids themselves. It's just a cycle. It's an endless cycle. And this cycle, when you see the adults inflicting the abuse, doesn't give them a pass, but at least gives you some insight, gives you a level of understanding. Oh, who are these people that can actually abuse kids? Like, who are these adults that can actually do that? Well, these are people that clearly have dealt with or are dealing with some deep pain of their own. Kids are so pure, so pure, blank canvas. You understand the power of indoctrination. You could instill a belief system into a lot of kids and it will be their belief system. It's proven. But when you take it a step further into this world of abuse, and this is at the surface of my thoughts because of the documentary I watched, the movie I watched, and the book I read yesterday. So I got to get this out. I got to just get this out. This is still in the heavy topic, like I had to remind you. Like some of you were thinking, is this light? No, but people have repressed memories from the years they can't remember. So the years you can't remember, what, zero to four, 
me, I guess I could remember a little bit about kindergarten, which is when I was five. That's it. I really have very few, if any, memories of age zero, one, two, three, four. Well, in those years, those formidable, impressionable, delicate years, some of these kids are exposed to violence, sexual assault. There's some kids on planet Earth who have to deal with that, and yet they won't remember. So they play this game called Confusion and Discovery. These kids that have been abused, then they grow up and they start to wonder, wait, why is it that I have a propensity to consume drugs and alcohol at a level that is clearly damaging myself? Like, it's not all people who drink know exactly why they drink. Everybody doing drugs, it's not like they go, well, this is the reason I do drugs. Some people are just totally confused by their own behaviors and their own patterns. And a lot of it goes back to repressed memories. Even the Daryl Hammond documentary on Netflix. You got to watch this. It's an interesting book as well. Daryl Hammond, who was a cast member on Saturday Night Live for so many years, nobody would watch the show and think, that guy's a party animal. That guy's got some issues. He seemed, you know, very level-headed, mild-mannered, just a great impressionist. You would never know the demons he was dealing with because of his dark upbringing. A mother who would abuse him, stab him in the stomach, and a father who would just enable all of this. And so Daryl grows up and he doesn't know, why am I a cutter? You know, people who cut themselves, it's not like they make this decision. Hey, today's a great day to cut myself. No, I think as Daryl put it, cutters are trying to control a situation. If I cut myself now, then although I'm powerless with so many aspects of my life, at least I have power over this situation. Even if it's hurting yourself, at least you know who's doing it to you. And it comes from just levels of damage that are difficult, if not impossible to really understand. So these years, you know, my daughter's two right now. She doesn't remember a damn thing. And we had a good day. We had a really good day. She won't remember any of it. Take some photos, take some videos. I'll show her later in life. Hey, we used to skip stones in the creek during the pandemic. And you liked mac and cheese. And we had a really good time in that little backyard pool. And she'll say, thanks. Thanks for a nice, healthy upbringing. And I'll say, you're welcome. Now go have a nice, healthy adolescent into adulthood. Feels good. It's probably the number one thing I feel good about in life is knowing that I'm not damaging this pure, innocent, beautiful young child. Yet, the amount of kids, the millions of kids that populate this planet, not understanding that they were abused because these memories are repressed, and then they have to have it pulled out of them by maybe a therapist or a psychiatrist, if they're lucky enough to even gain the self-awareness that they need some help, and they realize, oh, it probably was an ugly household I was in, or there was that relative, or there was that friend who would do this to me. And if you see this Barry Crimmins documentary, let me Google what it's called right now. Hold on. My friend John Bush, he recommended it and he said, it's intense. And I said, I can handle intense. And then at times it was just too intense. Like I like heavy stories, psychological explorations of people. And then I go, oh boy, I'm not sure I can handle this, but hold on. Barry Crimmins. It's called Call Me Lucky from 2015, a documentary on his life. This angry stand-up comic, and then he reveals, well, I was raped as a kid. My family hired a babysitter, and that babysitter would have a friend come over, and he took me down to the basement, and I'm watching this, and I'm like, no, no, no. Just losing all faith in humanity. And I believe, because I'm a deep believer in nurture, that it could be the exact opposite as well. Meaning, if you water the plant, if you give a kid a wonderful childhood, wonderful childhood, where they're not exposed to the ugliness of the world, Certainly, no abuse. Chances are pretty good. Pretty good that they're going to go become a decent member of society. I'm not saying they're going to just be flawless, but you do some pretty good parenting early on, that flower's going to blossom. 
There could also be different levels of it, different levels of abuse. But I think, folks, you understand that that is called heavy. Now, light. I'm going straight to light. You remember old banks? I had this thought driving by West America Bank. Old banks with the drive-up long tubes. You wouldn't go into the bank, but there were no ATMs. But you would still do some banking by driving up, like it's a McDonald's drive-thru, and there was a microphone. Roll down your window. These are like some of my earliest memories. I'm telling you, I don't have many memories of being young, but I could picture myself being really young. My mom's driving. I'm like a toddler in the car. She'd pull up. Hi, I'd like to deposit this into my savings. Mom, can we have your savings account number? And they would just go back and forth. It sounded very walkie-talkie and grainy, very staticky, this conversation. And then it would end the same way. Kids, you know what I'm talking about. Could we have some stickers? I have a kid in the car. Could we have some stickers? Ma'am, does your kid like flamingos or bears? Uh, Josh, do you like flamingos or bears? Ma'am, I just got word that we're out of flamingos. Does your son like bears? Yeah, he likes bears. Send in the bears. And West America Bank, through the tube, funk, funk. This is how the transaction was happening. This is the type of technology that could still blow my mind. Where's that tube going? Underground? Above our heads? I think above our heads. In this tube where you would put the receipt, you put the check, you put the pen, you put the stickers. It was just being transferred from bank teller to person in their car. And that was it. That was a brave new world. That was about as techy as I thought the world could become. And no joke, I'm not making this part up. I found some of those stickers recently and gave them to my daughter. Now that's the opposite of abuse. When you give your daughter stickers from the drive up banking with the long tubes. Funk. Google it. If it sounds like I'm just making things up, this existed. Yeah, it existed. All right, heavy. You ready? Heavy. All this fucking fast food? You kidding me? That we just poisoned our country and other countries with. Fast food, it's pretty much an American invention. And if I say the name of a fast food restaurant right now, depending on who you are listening, you'll be able to picture your favorite menu items and the tastes. Maybe I say McDonald's, a McChicken sandwich, those tasty golden fries. Vanilla milkshake or orange drink, not orange soda, but orange drink that like hurts you as you're drinking it. It tastes so good, but you almost feel like someone's punching you in the chest. Orange drink. Could I have orange drink? Ow. Ow. It's so good though. Ow. 20 piece McNuggets. I'll inhale a 20 piece McNuggets and ready for this. Ready for this? No sauce. No, thanks. I don't need any of that bullshit. Just like 20 swallow pills with the orange drink. Funk. Oh, the same sound effect for drive up banking. Netflix has this new show, History 101. It's only 20 minutes, but watch the fast food episode. Of course, they talk about the methane gases of having all this livestock, all the cattle, all the cows that are just destroying the ozone layer, putting toxic emissions into the air. Global warming. These are just my bullet points. I didn't even write anything down, but I, I know to say global warming at this point. And we go, why are all these cows gathered together? We'll ask Arby's, McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, and Taco Bell. So we got a lot fatter. We got a lot unhealthier. The percentage of people that are now obese from the rise of fast food industry, which generates billions of dollars. And yes, it creates a lot of jobs, creates a lot of economic opportunities, national and international. I get it. I mean, as a capitalistic country, I fully understand why we have it. And we always like to think we're on the go. We need to be quicker. We need to be speedier. We need to expedite everything, including eating our meals. We need to eat our meals so quickly. We need them to be delivered in bags where we eat as we drive to our next location. So the fast food surge was fun. Happy meals. Are you kidding me? Give me a toy. My buddy Rick and I, we would go to McDonald's once a week. 
and just watch baseball on TV once a week, eating McDonald's. I would hate to think of my kid at age 12 eating McDonald's once a week. And I think this generation, I think, I could be wrong, but I think they're going to be more woke. Yup, I just used the word woke. At least I mean informed about what fast food is doing to the environment and to your body. I wonder if now kids are not going to be so into it. Like we were into it. The idea of going to Burger King for a double Whopper with cheese at 11 p.m. after a night of partying was heaven. The Jack in the Box dollar menu? Are you kidding me? In college, I didn't even understand what I was putting into my body because back then I still had a body. Back then I still had a body where I would look in the mirror and I didn't look like somebody that was getting those two tacos from Jack in the Box. You know what I'm talking about. Those two tacos from Jack in the Box for a buck. American cheese, just dog shit meat, soggy shell, doused in some Tabasco flavoring hot sauce. It's the greatest. So I would probably eat 10 of those per week. That's back when you thought Jamba Juice was healthy. Cold Stone Creamery. Hey, mash a Butterfinger. Uh, mash some cookie dough into that. Yeah, mash some Skittles into that ice cream. Yeah, ice cream's not good enough. Start mashing candy bars into it. Just mash them with those silver tongs. Bong, 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 bong. Remember Cold Stone? Yeah, we're fatter. We're all so much fatter. Thanks to these chains. Yet these kids now can read books like Fast Food Nation. They can watch the Netflix documentary show about fast food that I saw. And they're going to be exposed to so much more information. I didn't know. I didn't know. It's like when people who smoked cigarettes in the 60s said, I didn't know it was bad for me. That's me with McDonald's in the 80s and 90s. I honestly didn't know. And even Jack in the Box in college, I didn't know what I was truly doing to myself. Also causing cancer for many people. These diets, these habits. It was even at the schools. I remember that. Dixie. Elementary. Can I still say Dixie? Now Lucas Valley Elementary School. Wednesdays was burgers from Burger King and hot dogs and Shakey's Pizza one day. And I think even in high school, Taco Bell was absolutely a part of the cafeteria situation. No doubt. It's not the case anymore. At least I don't think. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe kids are still eating fast food and they don't give a fuck about all of the negative health aspects. But I was thinking if I was 12 and I saw one of these documentaries or read one of these books about fast food, I probably would have said I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to choose to live and have a heart that continues to beat. Mm, maybe. I'm conflicted even right now because as my wife and I were watching it, they were giving us so many stats, so many scary stats about what fast food could do to you. And then they would show like a piece of pizza from Pizza Hut and we would just go, mm, give me that shit. Like they would just tell you the worst things about how the environment is totally fucked. Kids all over. Can't even run a lap around the track in PE. The average lifespan is shrinking. And then they show you a bacon double cheeseburger from Wendy's. And I'm like, mmm, mmm, yeah. I'm under the spell. And that's great advertising. Something for the kids. A mascot. Ronald McDonald. As familiar of a face as Jesus Christ, probably, for most people. Heavy. I'm going to whisper heavy. Heavy. That was heavy. I have to remind you. The topic you just sat through. Heavy. I've realized I have to fight cravings like Bruce Lee. Actually fight them because I'm a delicate little flower. If I eat shitty food for a full day, oh my God, I'll have like a hangover. Even the next day, my eyes will be bleary. I'll look in the mirror and just have body dysmorphia and see a fat guy. Big old fat guy. But if I eat well for a full week, are you kidding me? I look in the mirror, it's Brad Pitt. Yes, from Fight Club. Yes, that Brad Pitt. Actually, he still looks great. Did you see the Quentin Tarantino movie? What was it called? Something about Hollywood. Once upon a time in Hollywood. How good did Brad Pitt look? Are you kidding me? You kidding me right now? He's perfect. Okay, I might have to cut out pictures of him in a magazine and put him on my wall. Like Teen Bop or Tiger Beat. Gotta bring that tradition back. 
cut out magazine photos of good-looking actors and just put them up on your wall. Even if you're a 38-year-old, 48-year-old, a 58-year-old, we should bring that back. Just we have guests over. We have people over for wine and cheese. And they're like, hey, I love your house, but uh, interesting selection of Tiger Beat and Teen Bop photos plastered on your walls. Is that for the kids? No, 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 no. Nope, it's vintage. Just thought I would give it a whirl. All right, light, light, lighthearted. The batteries that kids' toys require? What? Who has these lying around? You need five Ds, two quadruple A's, and one of those little circular disc ones. So kids' toys, it's fun. They open the present. Oh, my God. A lot of them don't come with the batteries they need, and the batteries will die soon because kids know how to flip a switch and keep the toy on. No matter what toy. Picture any toy. Any toy that requires batteries. Who has these batteries? Just means a trip to CVS that you're going to forget about, so the toy becomes a piece of dormant, dusty furniture that no one's going to touch. Just looks like disappointment. Dormant, dusty, disappointment. That's what the toy turns into. Kid opens the toy. It's exciting. Dad doesn't go to CVS. Doesn't get the proper batteries. Because what, what was it? Triple A, double A? A C? He needs three Ds? Five Ds? Wait, it takes 20 triple A's and five Ds? Nah. Uh, thanks. Let's just have solar-powered toys. I'll leave the toys outside. Let the sun power that bad boy. And let's get it going. Why are we still doing batteries? It's 2020. They're probably not good for the environment either. You're not even supposed to throw them away, right? You're not supposed to throw your batteries away. How many of us do? 96% is the answer. Ask yourself right now, what do you do with batteries? You throw them in the garbage? I don't know if you're supposed to. Maybe you're allowed. I don't know. You didn't used to be allowed to do that. Big chunky Ds. 12D batteries for the stupid piano strip that she's not even going to play with for more than 10 minutes. I've got to go to CVS. Okay. Light. That's light. Lighthearted. It's a battery rant. Heavy. You ready for this? Buckle up. Actually, you know what? Pause it right here. Get some fresh air. Come back. Pause it right here. Get some fresh air. Get some fresh air. Heavy is coming. Actually, this isn't too heavy, but I heard Ted Danson interviewed on Conan's podcast, and he's married to Mary Steenburgen. You know Mary Steenburgen, who's in, what's that show called? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every show, every movie, just that face that you go, oh, yeah, she played the mom in that. Oh, yeah, she played the mom in that. Google her. Mary Steenburgen. The sweetest face. That's his wife. Who gets more work than Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen? Except during COVID-19, shelter-in-place pandemic, they're just home. They're just home. They've always not been home with each other. I mean, sure, they've probably had private jets to Italy, and their life has just been floating on a cloud of good times, good money, good champagne, looking sexy, being happy. But what about now for all these celebrities that actually are just like us, going to the fridge in their sweats, spending a half hour in the bathroom, not going to any restaurants, not going to any fancy bars or lounges. Nobody is assembling to film you, hear you speak, hear you make jokes, hear you sing. Nobody is having their art consumed by crowds right now. And Ted Danson tried to say, it's kind of nice. I can't remember the last time I was just home for dinner for five straight nights. Get to know your kids a little bit. And here's the heavy part. Conan was describing his life as well. And it sounded like even though, you know, a lot of these celebrity dads, even Adam Sandler, you know, celebrity dads that we probably go, oh, he's a great dad. What a great dad. They have kids and you probably see their photos and magazines together. How often are they really together together? Like Conan has a talk show. He's had a talk show since what? The early mid nineties. He still has a talk show. This dude hasn't spent much time with his kids, but now he has to. 
So the heavy part is how many of these celebrities who actually have to spend some real time as real people with their real families are fucking hating it and realizing that I never really understood what it was like just to be a normal dad, ordinary Joe. This crisis, this pandemic has turned celebs into ordinary Joes in the sense that there's nowhere to go, nowhere to travel to. Now, I don't mean ordinary Joe, like they're just living in normal sized houses. They still have their mansions, I bet, and their houses are fun to be quarantined up in. But I just started picturing, picture anyone, even Brad Pitt, just has to be at home, scrolling through Netflix, just like me, scrolling through Netflix in his sweats. What's on, what's on, what's on? I don't care how famous, rich, or well-off you are. There are some moments right now where you have to return to the human race. Could unify a good amount of us. And Ted Danson and Conan, they keep saying, well, there's got to be a lot of silver linings coming out of this. Eh, it could be some silver linings coming out of this. It just sounds like, eh, you guys want to go back. You guys want to go back to that celebrity life. And we all want things to go back to normal, I think. But the new normal is going to mean that you probably got to know your limitations or you probably got to know what you're missing. If you have a family, yet you have a job that takes you away from that family for a good percentage of your life, and this pandemic has caused you to really get to know your family, you're learning so much right now. Now that could be good and that could be bad. That could be good and that could be bad. It could be good because maybe you now restructure your life moving forward and say, I value my relationships with this family. Or it could be bad where you go, oh, I was never cut out to be a husband or a dad. I was never cut out to be domesticated like this. I need to be traveling. I need to be on the go. I need to be admired by fans. I don't know why my mind starts to think about celebrity status so often, but I think it's because I used to anoint these people as bigger than life as a kid. And now I just see the human aspects of like, they still do a lot of the things that we do. They still have to eat food and have their gas tanks filled. And they probably still have a few annoying cousins that they have to see at certain reunions. And then the more I think about it, the more undesirable it sounds. I mean, that's the whole point. I used to think it would be great to be famous. Be great. And now, are you kidding me? The Shia LaBeouf movie? Kid actors? That's a form of abuse in itself. Hey, you're not going to go to school with your friends. You're going to be on a set with adults. You're probably going to have a pushy parent, stage parent, who's going to destroy you financially. You're going to be exposed to things that people your age aren't really exposed to a lot of the time. I mean, the long list of child actors and actresses that are so fucked up now, because instead of being on the playground, they were on the set of Charles in Charge. It makes sense to me. When I was 10 years old, if you told me I could be a little brother on a sitcom, that probably would have been my dream come true. I could be a little brother actor on a sitcom and just leave all this behind. Wonderful. Nowadays, could you imagine putting your kid, if you have a 10-year-old, putting your kid into that Hollywood world where they no longer get to see friends? There's no more playground. There's no more teachers. There's just a tutor who's in your trailer and you're on the set of this show. So of course, Shia LaBeouf has many issues. Just watch the movie, honey boy. Just watch the movie. So sad. It's way too heavy. I can't even handle that. I can't handle that shit right now. Come on. All right. Light. Light. Extras and TV shows. Just watch these people. There's some bad extras. Watch some TV shows. Okay. If it's a scene where everybody's eating at a restaurant, look in the back. Look in the back. Find the extras where they're both talking. Table for two, both talking at the same time. Hello. One person has got to do some listening and watch them fake eat. Hello. You gotta put some food on the fork, chew it, digest it. The fake eating? 
just pushing your salad around. See, this is, maybe I have ADHD. Maybe I do, just a little bit of it because I'm supposed to be watching the main action, the main actors. But if there's like a crowd in a movie, I'm, look, I'm looking for Where's Waldo? Like, who's going to catch my eye because they're not exactly doing it? Like, who's going to look at the camera? You ever see that, an extra who looks at the camera just for a moment? Or if it's like a lot of dead bodies, you ever just look, are they breathing? Are they going to be breathing? Is this an actor, an extra, if it's a battle scene, you know? A war scene on a battleground and a bunch of soldiers. Oh, who's breathing? Who's still breathing? I see it. I see it. How about in TV shows where the wine, the fake wine in a wine glass doesn't look right like real wine? This is the stuff that might bother me. I'm so easily distracted that I will watch the background action. I'll look at the worst extras and I'll say, mm-mm, mm-mm. You're not nailing it. There should be a category at the Academy Awards for Best Extra who understands the art of eating in the background, talking in the background. And I don't know who these directors are that won't just pour some real wine in the glasses. Sometimes it'll be a hue, a hue of purple or red that looks more like a juice or a soda than a glass of Cabernet or Pinot Noir or Syrah or Zinfandel. Huh? Should we turn this into the wine podcast? Jammy. Notes of cherry. Oh, tannins. Fruit forward. It finishes dry. It finishes a little dry. Nobody? Just me? Nobody? All right, heavy, heavy. How about all the sports radio hosts and sports writers and sports TV analysts that have nothing right now and they have to treat the bulls of the 90s as if it's currently happening? If this keeps going and going and going and going and going, like if this pandemic keeps going and going and going and going and going and we don't get sports and we still have hundreds of sports radio shows and sports TV shows and sports writers, my buddy who's a sports writer, John Gold, He's written for ESPN and Sports Illustrated. He basically texted me the other day and said, sports writing is dead. It has died. Okay, go to ESPN.com, the homepage right now. What are these stories? It's probably some old athlete who has died. It's probably somebody who had their tweet misinterpreted and now they're going to be canceled. Somebody who's under fire for a bad tweet. Or it's Jordan and the Bulls, Jordan and the Bulls, Jordan and the Bulls. Here's what BJ Armstrong has to say about it. Here's what Tony Kukoc has to say about this documentary. Here's what Horace Grant has to say about this documentary. Here's what Phil Jackson has to say about this documentary. Here's what Dennis Robin has to say about this documentary. Here's what all these basketball analysts have to say about this documentary. People are commenting on something right now. Throughout all sports radio shows, sports TV shows, and newspapers, websites, everyone's talking about the Bulls like it's current events. You know what this means? We got nothing right now, and there's going to be so many layoffs coming. For sports writers, more layoffs, more magazines won't be able to print. More websites that employ sports writers aren't going to be able to attract advertisers. More sports radio hosts are going to get fired and fired and fired and fired. No NFL, no Major League Baseball, no NBA right now. You're talking about Jordan and the Bulls from the 90s as if the game was last night. Now, it's fun right now, but it's going to die down. I'm going to have withdrawals tonight. There's no Last Dance episode 11. That's it. We got 10 good episodes now. Silence. Here's what Judd Bushler said. Did you guys hear what Steve Kerr had to say? And then it's like, should we find a trainer from the team? If it weren't for this documentary, what would the sports world be? That's how good the documentary was. I mean, I could do a whole podcast on how good the documentary was, but really, sports coverage right now is talking about something from the 90s that's going to run out and nothing new is going to happen. Nothing. There's going to be so many layoffs. That's a sad world to be in right now. Sports coverage, a pitch meeting. What if we uh, talk about games that already happened? What if we talk about a player who uh, doesn't play anymore and just talk about that player? And I love nostalgia and I love vintage games, but without anything current to talk about, you just got to hunt down a player's Twitter feed and go, oh, look what he tweeted. 
turn this tweet into a story. It's done. It's done. And I know there's so many other industries where there's going to be an insane amount of layoffs and our economy is totally fucked right now. But that's just the one that comes to mind because everyone's talking about Jordan like it is something going on. It's actually not. Hasn't been going on for about 22 years. I think I'm going to end the lists. Had a few more things, but no, 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 no. I'm like George Costanza. Always, you know, leave them hanging on something. Leave, leave them hanging on something. Go out on a high note. Right now, if I have your attention still, right, I get to preview. We're going to have Josh Friday on one of these podcasts. Have I been saying that a lot? Do you even know who that is? Do you even care? It's okay if you don't. But uh, yeah, we're going to do an exclusive one-on-one ambush style interview with Josh Friday. It's coming up soon. And then I got a new logo being designed by Brandon Lai, the greatest artist of all time. Got a new intro song coming your way from Micah Julius. The greatest composer, he would disagree with that immediately. One of the great composers of our time, he would be mad that I'm even saying that. All right, I'm getting out of here. I'm going. Time for a shower. Time for another cup of coffee. Time to dirty up these sweats a little more. All right, that's episode 92. Thanks for listening. Leave a rating on iTunes if you want. This episode is in the books. I'll talk to you soon.